I really should have more self-control. Here I am trying to model adult behavior, proper adult behavior. And uh, yeah, came up short. Hey folks, how weird is music? Can I just ask you that? And that's a real question right now. How weird is music? Just a wide range of taste we're allowed to have because we're alive right now. Like we're alive right now. So we can like hip hop, we can like country, we can like heavy metal, we can like jazz, we can like blues, we can like classical, we can like alternative, we can like techno, dance music, we can like it all. You're just allowed to like it all. I mean, how weird is that? Just a combination of sounds that comes into my ears and I'm allowed to like so many different types, right? I could just say, well, this sounds good to my ears. Like this song sounds good. This is nice. I totally like this. Maybe you thought I hung the moon And maybe you thought we were Johnny and June Maybe we thought it was just us two Maybe we spoke too soon Maybe they spoke too soon See, I like that song. I really do. I like it a lot. You know what else I like? I like this song. I also like this song. This song sounds fine to me, too. It's about hoochie mamas. See, I like that, too. How weird is music? Like, I could tell you, I really like this song. I like Dave Brubeck. It's a classic, I'm feeling it. Could play this while I cook, play it as I eat dinner, play it as I drive. Love this song, take five, baby. But, you know something? I also like this song. Fuck yes, I like this song. I like that song a lot. How weird is music? See, I like that song, Snoop. And then I also like this. I like this soft shit. Paul Simon, Art Garfunkel, harmonizing beautifully. Huh. I also like this song. That's weird. Just a combination of sounds with instruments and voices in my ear. And I say, well, I like that, the sound of silence. But I also like this. I also like Skilo, who wishes he was a little bit taller. I also like this. Wait, 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 wait. How do I like Skilo? Okay, I like that weird rap song from the 90s, but I also like this. I also like this, El Paso, by Marty Robbins. How, how could that be, that I also like this? 
Out in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican girl. Oh, really? But I also like this. I also like this shit. Oh, this dumb disco bullshit? You like that? Yeah, I like that. But I also like George Gershwin. I also like Rhapsody in Blue. Okay, I like where this song's going to take us. So why do I like all this stuff? You do too. You have an eclectic taste in music. You never meet someone nowadays who just likes one kind of music. You don't. You just don't. Well, it's because we're alive right now. That's the reason. It's because we're alive right now. Think about your great-grandpa or your great-grandma right now. What were they listening to? They were listening to a type of music that was available because there weren't many options. They weren't streaming any and every song they wanted in the hip-hop world, in the country world, in the rap world, in the rock world, in the electronica world. They weren't. Your great-grandpa was just listening to this type of shit. By the sea, by the sea, by the beautiful sea. Your great-grandpa, you and I, you and I, oh, just listen to this. When he was when cutting carrots. shit. Guess what? Your great-grandpa fucking hated that shit. But he didn't have access to Snoop. What if he did in 1915? What if he had access to a little Snoop? 1915. You think your great-grandpa would have liked this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have liked some of that, but instead he's just cutting carrots in the yard just with this shit. You don't think your grandpa... Would have wanted to hear a little bit of this once in a while. You don't think your great grandpa wanted this? Big booty hose, two live crew. Instead, great grandma, what's she just out on the clothesline, hanging laundry, listening to this stuff? She's enjoying her music today. Great grandmother in the early 1900s. Great grandma was really into music. God. Oh God. Come on. Come on for a second. You don't think if great grandma had more options, you'd find out that great grandma loved rap? If rap had existed back then, late 1800s into the early 1900s, you don't think great grandma would have been bumping this while she does laundry? You're damn right, great-grandma would have been listening to that. But instead, when you hear stories about great-grandma, like my mom's mom was Harriet, her mom was Elsie, so I guess Elsie was listening to this type of stuff. Yeah, my great-grandma Elsie, she loved this. Oh, this was her jam! When she'd go out to hang out with friends. Hey, should we be bad tonight, girls? Should we listen to Arthur Boynton's 
Are we downhearted? Should we be bad? And play this on the old sousaphone? You only like what you have in front of you. When I say I'm into Tupac or I'm into Dave Brubeck or I'm into Nirvana, it's because it was available in my lifetime. Does it even reflect what I truly like? Sure, it's being served to me so I could go, yeah, that works and that works and that works. But what about great grandpa, Nathan? My dad's dad was Seymour. We called him Cy. His dad was Nathan. So if Nathan had the availability of some modern shit, which he certainly didn't, don't you think he'd be bumping the Beastie Boys? I really. Great Grandpa Nathan would be feeling the Beastie Boys if they were available in 1919. You know that. But instead, Great Grandpa Nathan's got this. Hey, Great Grandpa Nathan's chopping carrots, looking out the window, wondering, when is some better fucking music going to arrive? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Music is so weird. It is weird that I could like all of this stuff and claim that I am so eclectic. I just... I love jazz and I love rap and I love rock and I love the blues. Oh, how impressive are you, Josh? Josh, you like all of those things? Yeah, I could listen to Dolly Parton and then NWA. Then I can listen to John Legend and Justin Bieber. Then I'll enjoy some Beethoven. Then I can enjoy some Weezer and Green Day. Then I could enjoy some James Brown. And Bob Marley. Oh, Josh, you like all those things? Yeah, it doesn't make me unique. I'm just a product of this generation that I'm currently living through. As I'm floating through 1981 until, I don't know, there's going to be a lot of advancements in the world of music. But 100 years ago, 1921, what was available? Just the worst music you could possibly ever hear. Oh, my God. People gathering around their record player. Oh, no, 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 no. They had to listen to this. They had to. There was no Elvis yet. There were no Beastie Boys. Oh, it's torture. Oh, it's such torture. Sorry, folks. I know it's relative to when you are alive, but come on. Great-Grandpa Nathan, Great-Grandma Elsie, they could have used a little bit of two-life crew, Hoochie Mama. And then it would have expanded their view of the world. Okay, I don't know about that. Okay, maybe music is a portal to understanding other people's perspectives, other people's cultures. It can be. If you listen to lyrics, if you understand music from all around the world in different genres, it could be eye-opening. But what about movies? Think about a world without movies right now. You wouldn't be able to picture so many parts of the country, so many parts of the world. You just wouldn't be able to picture it. Whether it's a documentary, a drama, a period piece, a biopic. Really, the imagery that is conjured up in our minds when we picture other areas of the world or other time periods, it's probably through the lens of a movie we saw. Here's a quote from Roger Ebert. It's one of the greatest quotes you'll ever hear. Not just about movies, but about life. And it's true. He said, we're all born with a certain package. We are who we are. Where we were born, 
who we were born as, how we were raised, we're kind of stuck inside that person. And the purpose of civilization and growth is to be able to reach out and empathize a little bit with other people. And for me, the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. It lets you understand a little bit more about different hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. It helps us to identify with the people who are sharing this journey with us. What a quote. Makes you think about movies differently. Is it just entertainment? Or is it really just a way of expanding our minds and allowing us to feel for others, previous generations, other places around the world? There's some depth to that quote. Thank you, Roger Ebert. Thank you so much. Maybe if there were more movies celebrating other cultures throughout the 1700s and 1800s, there would be less oppression, less massacres, atrocities. But I guess to have good movies, which is art being produced, you need to give people rights, freedom, self-expression to create, to allow them to be enlightened free thinkers, not just through the lens of an oppressive government. This is getting deep. Hold on. I'm going to get out of this hole. I didn't want it to go in that direction. But think about great-grandpa Nathan, great-grandma Elsie for a moment. Just think of your own great-grandparents. Their belief systems were so different than yours because they didn't have access to all these Netflix documentaries and Hulu programs exploring different civilizations and societies and communities. There was a point where you really just knew your village. There was a point, many points in history, where people really just kind of knew their neighborhood. They knew their village, but life beyond never even discussed it. Didn't have enough information on it. There weren't comedians on Netflix making jokes about it. There weren't songs. A hundred years ago, 1921, you think there were a bunch of woke singers talking about social issues? No, they were talking about that bird is flying in the sky. And oh my goodness, don't ask why he's flying away. And great grandma Elsie would bump that track with her girls. Should we be bad and listen to the bird song? As we hang our laundry and chop vegetables, I'm sorry, I should have done some research on what people actually did for leisure and recreation about a hundred years ago, but now we have too many options and now we feel so informed and now we just shove our opinions into other people's faces because we're so knowledgeable, aren't we all so knowledgeable? Hey, a little cynicism in my voice right there, a little bit, a little bit, yeah, you, you picked up on that, all right, pal. All right, I was in a reading funk I was in a reading funk, 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 because I kind of have a narrow scope of what interests me. Comedy, history, sports, and repeat. So usually when there's a book from a comedian or about comedy, I'll read it. But one of the greats of all time, Jerry Seinfeld, he puts out a book a year ago. It's called, Is This Anything? And I was so excited. I heard Seinfeld put out a new book. Give it to me. And then I went to Barnes and Noble and I thumbed through it. I thumbed it. And I realized that's just bits. It's just bits. And I figured it's still in a hardcover. No thanks. Thinking, I've heard all these bits. I'm a Seinfeld fan. I'm not a huge Seinfeld fan, but I like him a lot. And I've heard him. But last week, I was thinking, okay, I need to start reading something. So did I get Lenny Dykstra's book? Yes. Am I embarrassed to admit that? Yes. But I also got Seinfeld's book. And it's 45 years worth of his bits, his observations. It's great. It actually is a history book because it's just his observations throughout the 70s, 80s, 90s, aughts, o's, ins, teens, whatever we are labeling decades nowadays. But a lot of it is just timeless PG humor. And the guy is so obsessive, he wrote down all of his bits in his 45-year career, transcribed them, 
Had them published into this new book. It's a big book. It's great. Just each bit is a page. So I'm going to read some, some that I haven't even read myself yet. And then I thought to myself, I only did this for one year. Now, Jerry did this for 45 years and he's still doing it. Just writing down his bits. He actually goes to work. A lot of comedians talk about the process. What's your process? And Jerry sets aside time every single day to just write a little bit, maybe an hour just on a yellow pad. Just write whatever comes to mind. So that's like a working comic. He takes it so seriously. Never spends a day lazy. Just always working. And that's truly the life of a comedian. You don't take a day off because comedy could come at you at any moment. So I did this for one year. When I was 21 years old, I actually wrote a bunch of ideas for bits in a journal. And I found that journal. I've always had the journal in a drawer next to the bed. Haven't looked at it in a long time. But reading the Seinfeld book inspired me to look at some of these bits I wrote when I was 21. And they're really bad. They're terrible, but I'm going to read some of those as well. Some of them are so politically incorrect and offensive and profane that I can't even bring them up right now. I might even tell you the topic, but I don't think I could give you the full throttle bit right now. But I'm going to go through a few of Seinfeld's, then I'm going to go through a few of mine, and then I'm going to say goodbye. But this is now class, okay? So we're all the teacher. We're all the graders. We're going to evaluate these bits. Give it an A, give it a B, give it a C, give it a D, give it an F, give it what you want. All right. I'm just opening up my Seinfeld book right now, going to the last page I left off, and I'm just going to read you a few. From his book, Is This Anything? Just a bunch of his bits. This one's called Bugs Going? I've always wondered, where are bugs going? Every bug you see is on his way somewhere else. Bugs never seem to stop and go, well, here I am. And if you put your hand down in front of them, no problem. They just pick a completely different direction. I guess if you were walking along and someone dropped a 200-foot wall in front of you, you'd go, I think I'll go elsewhere. There's walls falling out of the sky around here. I don't need that. Sometimes I would flick a bug like 20 feet, which is the farthest from home he's ever been. He has to hitchhike to get back. He's holding a little sign that says 20 feet. That's pretty good. It's like a C plus. All right. The next Seinfeld bit. Did comets kill the dinosaurs? Magazines are another medium I love. Because like TV, 95% of it is simply based on how the hell are we going to fill all this blank space? The cover of Time Magazine. This week was, did comets kill the dinosaurs? Really? Here's a hot topic. Who's got time for this? Hey, what happened to the dinosaurs? Weren't they just here? Maybe comets killed the dinosaurs. Maybe they tripped and fell. What's the difference? We'll never know. We couldn't solve the Kennedy assassination, and we had film on that. Good luck with the stegosaurus. Round up all these reptiles for questioning, Bill. I want to talk with that little salamander over there. I think he knows something. Don't stick out your tongue at me, young man. I'll nail your slimy little butt to the wall. All right. It's good. These are good. I'll do two more, and then I'll get to my journal of ridiculousness. All right, this says, fun for the whole family. At the post office, they have posters. Collect stamps. It's fun. Really? At what point in stamp collecting do you feel the fun is kicking in? You get the stamp, you bring it home, put it in a drawer, come back a year later, hey, still got it. That stamp is collected. I guess if you ever get bored of the stamps, you can turn them over. You've got a glue collection. They always say, fun for the whole family. Nothing is fun for the whole family. There's no massage parlors with ice cream and free jewelry. No racetrack sells fur coats and silly putty. Okay, that's an A. That's a good bit. Uh, And one more, ancient cultures. I like documentaries, but not every ancient culture is fascinating. I think in some cases, extinction may have been their luckiest break. Like when they tell you about some ancient people that lived right on the rim of an active volcano. How much can we learn from people that stood around during an eruption going on? Boy, sure is hot today. Did the weatherman say lava? I heard chance of molten by the weekend. All right, that's good. I'll do another. That's an A. Uh, 
Air Inside Outside by Seinfeld. To me, the whole city of Los Angeles is a mall. You don't really like it, but you can get whatever you need while you're there. The thing about L.A. that kind of threw me was the smog alerts. They'll sometimes actually recommend that people stay indoors during the smog alert. Wouldn't you assume that the air in the house pretty much comes from the air in the city where the house is? Do they think we live in a jar with a couple of holes punched in the top? Do parents in L.A. say to their children, All right, kids, I want all of you in the house to get some fresh air. Come on, it's summer vacation. Indoors. Uh, Maybe that was a D. I don't know. Was it good? So that's me, just in bed reading bit after bit after bit, 45 years worth of bits. And although at one point in my life, I fantasized about it, becoming a comic. Oh, don't worry. I'm not bitter. I'm fine with how everything transpired. I'm good. But there was a time where I was like, I'm going to write bits. I'm going to plow through some open mics, rise up the ranks with this material. So this is the material I was banking on. I honestly have like 60 bits written here. A lot of them are D's, though. A lot of them are D's. They're going to need punch-up. They're going to need you to listen to them and go, ah, you could have done this with that. Ah, you could have made it a little funnier here. And some of them I don't even remember what the bit was. Some of them are just stories. Like this first one, it says Pitbull School. And I remember this. I went with my buddy Adam, who had a Pitbull, to obedience training. And I was picturing like a bunch of rough riders with their rough dogs. It was just old women. And we all stood in a circle and they had to go around, and everyone says their name, their dog's name, and a fun fact about their dog. And the first lady was like, I'm Linda, this here is Tanya, and she just loves scrambled eggs. And it got weirder and weirder and weirder. The next lady, hello, I'm Trish, and this here is Persimmon, and she just loves a freshly baked scone and hates men, I should add, hates men. One of the ladies said that, hates men. Oh, really, Trish? Pretty sure you hate men, and you might have conditioned little Persimmon to feel that way too. That's not a great bit. Maybe a C minus, but it went on and on and on. It was hilarious. You had to be there. Oh, that's the worst stand up. You had to be there. Stand up comedian who tells the audience, hey, you had to be there. All right. This one says medieval horse movies. Oh, yeah. This, this one's good. This is my closer. Watching a lot of war movies lately. A lot of war movies. Have you noticed the amount of horses in these movies that are just getting the shit kicked out of them? These are not Hollywood horses. These are just regular horses who are in a stable in a barn one day. Bored. Salt lick. Hay. Mosquitoes and flies. Then the next day. What, a Hollywood casting crew comes in? Picks a couple of the horses. Covers them in armor. Puts an actor on their back who's supposed to be a soldier in an ancient Roman war. Now the horses are just looking at other horses. Getting stabbed with swords. Wondering, what the fuck? Wait, what is this? What is this, Spartacus Ben-Hur? What is this, Braveheart? Not sure I like any of this. Then the movie wraps up. They don't see the cameras. These horses don't see the cameras. They just go back to the stable and have to explain what happened to their horse friends. Hey, you guys remember when I was gone the other day? You remember that? I, I was gone. Yeah, Um. I think I fought in the Revolutionary War. A lot of our friends are dead. Yeah, they were just in puddles of blood. It was very scary, and now... uh. Now I'm back. Wait, did I eat shrooms? Pretty sure that might be a hallucination. Hey, you had to be there. That's going to be my tagline. I'm just reading through my journal, folks. And it's your fault that you're still listening. You know you could turn this off. Baby wearing glasses. Hey, I saw a baby wearing glasses at the mall the other day. He was also wearing a nice watch and a cardigan. But I looked closely at this baby. I got kind of close to the stroller. And I wondered, how did they know you can't see? How did they know your vision was shitty? 
You can't even talk yet. Did they put you in front of that chart with the big letters and ask you to recite the middle row? Well, that baby's not saying anything. Clearly, that baby can't see much. You haven't taught him the letters yet, Hank. You had to be there. You had to be there. Put some glasses on him with a Velcro strap in the back. That's about a D plus. All right. One of them says airport ticket scalper. You never see an airport ticket scalper. <laughs> we can laugh at how bad these are, right? Hey, where are you headed? Uh, me? Me and the family are going to New York, visiting family. I got two aisle seats for Atlanta. Eh. Market value 70. What do you say? I pair these together for 50, 55. Uh, no, no, I'm good. What do I have to do to get these tickets into your hand to get you on a flight to Atlanta? Nope. Um, this says game show jet ski. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was watching a game show. I was watching The Price is Right. And there was this guy, this doughy contestant, had a mustache, his pants kind of hiked up, glasses. And one of the prizes they were offering him was a pair of jet skis. And the camera was just close up on his face. And not only did he not want the jet skis, he looked terrified at the idea of bringing the jet skis home. Like his apartment, just picturing it, his couch, his lamp. And then he has to have jet skis. Like it was a punishment. And you won jet skis on the prices, right? Just the look on his face. Usually everyone celebrates. Hey, look what you're going to win on this game show. But the price is right. They always reveal what you could win. And people go nuts and they celebrate. And this guy was just like, no, no, no. I scared of water. It's kind of presumptuous, right? To think that a contestant wants to be in a lake or a river and a jet ski. What percentage of people can just handle a jet ski? If you gave me a jet ski right now, I'd be totally stressed out. Where would I put it? What would we do with it? If you gave me the nicest jet ski for free right now, I would look like that guy. I would look like that contestant who was just terrified about the inconvenience that could mean to his life. That's, that's a B minus. Come on. This says first pitch in baseball. How about the first punch in boxing? I'm not even going to explore that. That's terrible. Interviewing ultimate fighting losers. Mm-mm. Oh, bowling balls. Hey, what's the deal? This is very Seinfeld. Bowling balls. Nobody has ever walked into a bowling alley, put their hand into the first ball, and thought, yeah, that fits. It's usually, what, 20 minutes of trying to find the right ball and realizing that the finger holes are all over the place. Like some are the size of a breadstick, other the size of a crayon. Whose fingers fit in these bowling balls? 95% of all bowling balls on the wall at a bowling alley don't fit a human hand. That's a D plus. This says uh, boners at bad times. Keep moving. This says dentist asking questions. I can't answer. This says humans and dolphins, the only species who get pleasure from sex. I read that once. How do we know? Are we interviewing the dolphins in the act? Not funny. Um, this says overheard a grandpa at a ball game getting very upset with the umpire in the first inning. There was a pitch. This is a true story. There was a pitch that might have been a little off the plate. And the ump called a strike, and this old man, two rows back, just screamed, Hey, Blue, what are you, fucking blind? And then he fell asleep for the rest of the game. If the umpire heard that, he would have thought a lot more was coming. Just a pitch, a little off the plate, and this old man goes full aggressive heckler mode. Then the guy fell asleep. For the next eight innings, the guy was just asleep in his chair. I thought, wow, he started so strong. This guy was probably in his 80s, just heckling umps since the late 1800s. And he didn't have much in the tank. Huh. That's a B plus. That's pretty good. Come on. Um, sign language at graduation. I think we're putting too much faith into the signers to tell us the truth. You never know what they're saying. 
This stems from when I was at someone's graduation. There was somebody doing sign language on the side of the stage, and I always get very distracted. And I just watch them the whole time, and I go, wow, that means that, and that means that, and isn't the speaker speaking too fast? And how does the signer really know how to capture all of these words so quickly? Nope, I don't believe it anymore. I think the signer's just lying at this point, saying whatever they want to say about anything. We're very trusting of these signers, very trusting. And occasionally it looks like they're just dancing. Okay, Um, psychic bullshit. That's the next bullet point in my journal. Psychic bullshit. Have you seen these shows crossing over where they have a medium come talk to people in the crowd? Hey, Karen, I'm here with you. Did you have a a grandpa or like a great uncle? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. He's with me right now. He wants to say hello. And they legitimately have people in these studio audiences who think the psychic is with one of their dead relatives and they're just communicating. They're a medium. He wants you to know that he wishes things could have been different. And Karen's in tears. He said that? Can you, t- can you tell him I love him? Yeah, yeah. And he said, uh, set the oven to 415 when baking chicken. Was this something he would do? Would he bake chicken? Yes, he always, he, he always baked chicken. He, that's him. Yes, you're clearly with a dead relative. Thank you. What a bunch of bullshit. I could take that one and really run with it. Hey, John, did you have a cousin? Yeah, a female? With like a L name or a M name or a N name or a J name. Yeah, yeah, I had a cousin Jennifer. Are you with her? Yeah, I'm with her right now. Jennifer, she's saying something about outdoors. Would you ever go outdoors together? Yeah, we would always fly kites. Oh boy, you're with Jennifer. Hey, Jenny. Tell her I say hi. Bunch of bullshit. Uh, Well-dressed bums. It's true. I've seen some homeless people. No, I can't get into that. That's offensive. Um, You ever call someone... And while it's ringing, you forget who you're calling. Someone picks up. You get very nervous. Hello? It just becomes an immediate investigation. Identify the voice. I can't identify the voice. Who is this? That's before cell phones. Oh, news bloopers. No, that won't be funny. This bullet point says, I'd like to see a baseball brawl where the teams don't break it up. Not funny. People in movie theaters that laugh so hard at the old movie ads like Fandango. That have been running for so long. Who are these people that are still laughing at the Fandango ads? That is an old bit. I don't even know these bits anymore. This is my own handwriting. It says, Chinese restaurant cashier can't stop laughing. What does that mean? I guess there was a cashier who was having a big laugh while taking an order. How does that become a bit? The zoo is boring. Spice it up a little bit. Maybe give the monkey a gun. Okay. I don't remember that. Do I have to end strong? Do I have a closer anywhere here? Okay, there it is. It says Gillette Razors. I remember this. All right. Maybe I should have just read Seinfeld's bits. That might have landed because these are a little stale. But Gillette Razors, have you ever seen a shaving commercial for any razor? Isn't it always just a really good looking guy in a towel, in a mirror? But there's no toilet. There's no shower. It's just a mirror in a dark room and then airplanes and jets you seen this like space exploration that a girl comes out and she's immediately in the mood to have sex with a guy and he doesn't even have a beard he doesn't even have a beard he's just gently grazing a razor against his face there's no shaving cream and you know something that won't even sell a razor you want to sell a razor just shave a cat just shave a cat for 30 seconds i guarantee people will watch that ad if you're watching tv tonight Instead of the old good-looking guy in a towel in front of a mirror, what if they just had an older woman on her couch shaving a cat? And then the logo for Schick. 
three blades. Now we're up to four blades. Remember that? When razors kept adding a blade to outdo each other? The all-new Schick 20 Blader. One swipe, your hair will never even think about coming back. That was it. Just trying to top the competing brands of adding another. They added another razor and shaved a cat bald. I'll buy that razor. Oh, yeah. I'll buy that razor. Oh, boy. This might be the last podcast ever. It's your fault, though. It's all your fault. You tuned in. And that was me going for the PG stuff, okay? There's some X-rated bits. Yeah, I didn't say R. I didn't say NC-17. I said X-rated comedy. I didn't get to those. Maybe next time. But for today, I'll just say farewell. Episode 138. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>